Much to my dismay, after we arrived here this morning and I turned my computer on, my PowerPoint was updated. And so I think what you're seeing is probably what you should be seeing, but what I'm seeing is a real tiny picture. So we're going to do our best as we go along here. How's the screen look to you? Is there okay? He's focusing. Perfect. What, That's good. What do you want it to be? Do you want it to well, be full screen? I want same? it to be full screen if you can do same. that because it just changed. Yes, I can. Oh, Display I, settings. I'm glad. Um, no, 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 no. That's good. You got it. That's. Nope. I, I accidentally swapped. Okay. Okay, come on. There we go. Sorry about that. Good. Um, now a little focus and we'll be perfect. Oops. No. There we go. Come on. never seen this particular software well, it's, before. It's um, presenter view is the way that it's usually always shown. So usually it always looks like this. But I can I can work from this. You can work from this. Yeah, I'll, okay. I'll manage somehow. Yeah. Sorry, I'd, I'd have to go in and change some settings. Okay, Ben, thank you so much. And thank you, Jedediah. Where did he disappear for reading? Oh, there he is, over there in the corner. Thank you for reading a very complex Bible verse. We hope we can unravel that as we go along. Good to be here with you folks again. About 15 years ago, the pastor in Boise, Idaho Church began to do research on King of the North and King of the South. And the work that was done by him came a book out of it. He went on the camp meeting circuit, and it was a very important topic for about two years. And then everything kind of melted down until about three years ago. And over the past three years, there have been many, many seminars on the King of the North and King of the South. One of the great seminars with about seven, uh, correction, about 1,000 pages of material was conducted at Barron Springs, Michigan one year ago, but no real conclusions were made as to what this really represented. There was a lay seminar that occurred about four weeks ago up in the state of Washington, and there's a lot of struggles that are being maintained right now to try to resolve what is this king of the north and what is this king of the south? I would like to explore a few things this morning and hope that perhaps this elevates our understanding of some of the issues of the Antichrist at the end of time and some of the other challenges, challenging um, groups of individuals against Jesus Christ in his final gospel work. 
This is a Daniel 11 verses 36 through 35 study. The king of the north enters earth's last scenes. This story is really a story of the climax of the last part of the papacy's history, the last part of the Antichrist history. Daniel 11 is divided into four parts. Number one is administrative. Number two, major kings during the 490 years. And it's kind of a review when you go to those verses, verses 11 through 21. First rise of the papacy, and then finally the second rise of the papacy. Our focus will be on the end of that second rise of the papacy, Daniel 11, 36 through 45. It covers the time of the earth and sea beast of Revelation 13. Earth's last Antichrist era is unfolding in Daniel 11:30 through 30:45. Through these brief verses, we see its progressive rise in power. And as the eschatologic end approaches in verse 36, it assumes world dominance and economic control. This final period is called by some the little time of trouble, and those are Adventist terms. In turn, that finally heralds the anticipated onset of a very great brief period of time, the great tribulation when the Antichrist comes to its end. We think from Daniel 12 that likely the Great Tribulation only lasts probably 45 days. This is how that final period begins. Expositor White and the Bible agree this period will last very short. When the king shall do according to his own will, he shall exalt and magnify himself above every god. He shall speak blasphemies against the God of gods and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished. For what has been determined shall be done. The prophecy will be fulfilled. Daniel assumes we already know who this king is when we start in verse 36 in Daniel 11. He was first introduced way back in Daniel 8, and that's what Jedediah was studying and, and uh, reading just a few minutes ago, as a little horn which was later called a king. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up and his power shall be mighty. He magnified himself even to the prince of the host. Verse 11, he shall also stand up against the prince of princes. Whatever this king is doing, this king is going to be eventually going against Jesus Christ, the prince of princes. And this king is introduced first in Daniel 11. Daniel 11, uh, Correction in Daniel 8. Daniel 8 through 12 is actually one unit, and it's written in Hebrew. Most of the rest of the book of Daniel is Aramaic. 
So this begins the Hebrew portion of the book of Daniel. The same Daniel 8 verses say that this is all occurs when sin reaches its peak. That's also defined as the time of the end in verses 17 and 19. Therefore, the appointed time of this king is when God's wrath begins, an antichrist king arises, sin has reached its zenith, the characteristics of this king are the same as the little horn. The end now moves quickly forward. There's a lot of questions that comes up with the ram and the he-goat. I noticed that that was a picture that was put in your bulletin. And that is one of the first prophecies beginning in Daniel 8. That ram and that he-goat represents a period of time that is end time. And we often think perhaps that was historical, but in verses 17 and 19, Gabriel is telling Daniel this is specifically for the very end of time when God's wrath has come, when sin reaches, reaches its zenith, and the characteristics of this king are the same as that little horn. Many skeptics question whether this Danelic king relates to the end of time. Scholar Steinman addressed this when he notes, the clearest indication that this king will live in the latter days is that the resurrection of the saints will take place immediately after God delivers his people from this individual power. And that is Daniel 12, verse 2. Of course, the resurrection is an eschatologic event. Andrew Steinman, incidentally, that particular book that he wrote on Daniel may be the best commentary that has ever been written on the book of Daniel. Daniel's king prophecy continues. Now verse 38, we're in Daniel 11. But in his estate shall he honor the God of forces and a God whom his father knew not shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and with pleasant things. God should be small God, G. It comes from Eloha. The word forces alludes to his reliance on civil power to further his objectives. We are reminded the church appeals to the strong arm of civil power. And in this work, Papists and Protestants will be united. Pope John Paul II noted in 1998 in an encyclical, therefore also in this particular circumstance of our own time, Christians will naturally strive to ensure that what? Civil legislation respects their duty to keep Sunday holy. He uses his international authority base to execute his will, which was referred to as a god. Here that god is honored or strengthened through its wealth and pleasant things that it can do. Gold, artwork, precious stones, costly buildings, unsurpassed architecture, 
are all part of the mesmerizing imagery of the papacy. No other place in the world is like the Vatican and of many of the assets that the papacy holds. The Holy See allures the world by its wealth, power, and perceived goodness. It is, in turn, highly honored. The Holy See represents the combination of the papacy and Vatican City State together. And you may be aware that the Holy See is registered as a non-governmental organization at the United Nations, which includes the Vatican City State and the Roman Catholic Church. No other country in the world is registered with the United Nations as the Holy See. The King drama strikingly accelerates with this message. Now we're moving to verse 40. And at the time of the end, there's that time of the end once again, which clearly represents the period of time before Christ comes. Shall the king of the south push at him, and the king of the north shall come against him, like a whirlwind, with chariots, and with horsemen, and with many ships. And he shall enter into the countries, and shall overflow and pass over. To embellish our understanding, Daniel 8 tells us that this king comes out of the north. That direction of anti-God powers is depicted in a similar way through Isaiah's imagery of Satan. Wanting to be like God, sitting on the mount where God's throne is, shown to be in, once again, the sides of the north. And at that time of the end, verse 40, Daniel 8, 17, and 19, once again, we appeal to, informs us that this has a very important meaning. It is called the appointed time when God's wrath would come, when sin would reach its peak, when this Antichrist, excuse me, would exercise its greatest power when he would be called a king. All these things are little tiny clues for us to understand, really, who this Antichrist is and when this Antichrist is going to be appearing in power related directly to these prophecies. And one of the great keys that we have is God's wrath at this particular time and also it was, it's when sin reaches its peak that God steps into history. Most fascinating is Daniel 12, verses 1 and 2, which is actually a continuation of Daniel 11. The break should really be probably in Daniel 12, verse 3 of the chapters, unfortunately. Notes that at that time, that's the time of the end, God's people will be delivered and then there will be a special resurrection. Habakkuk 2, 2 and 3 talks about these same times in a dual prophecy. Its second application referring to the time of trouble at the end of time. Jesus gives us three intermeshing timing prophecies in Daniel 12 that directly relate to this time of the end. 
summarizing these timing observations to this point, the time of the end is the same as the appointed time, which is in Habakkuk, contextually describing as the time of trouble or tribulation. When sin reaches its zenith or pinnacle, during which time God's people will be persecuted and even threatened with death, but they will be delivered from all oppression. That's one of the most wonderful chapters in my thinking in the great controversy, God's people being delivered. In Hebrew, time of the end is eskats. It means a period of time. That is the earth's last season of opportunity. Toward its ends, God's wrath will be seriously activated, specially activated. For the Lord shall rise up that he may do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. That is when the seven trumpets begin to sound, Revelation 8 through 11. All this towards the end. Thank you. With it again. Yes, thank you. Incidentally, also, it says in Daniel 8, verses 17 through 19, that this particular time is when God's indignation comes into play. And that goes along with Isaiah 28, 21. And the word, Hebrew word there for indignation is zam. Zam always means God's anger in, in the biblical context. And so it's during this particular time that that is transpiring. So we know it's the very end of time. There's the appointed time. There's the time of the end. We know that's a three and a half year period from Daniel 12. It's a literal time. We, we can show that completely now in Hebrew. God's wrath then comes in, his strange act, deliverance of God's people. And from the deliverance of God's people, which is in Daniel 12, verse 1, to the second coming, we do not know how long that's going to be. We have assumptions that we make because of the feast of the Old Testament, but we don't really lean heavily on that except it's a weight of evidence and nothing more. Ellen White noted the things revealed to Daniel were afterwards complemented by the revelation made to John on the island of Patmos. These two books should be carefully perused. Twice Daniel inquired, and here's where we understand that Ellen White is understanding Daniel 12 as an end time chapter. Twice Daniel inquired, how long shall it be to the 
end of time. In Hebrew, it's time of the end, but Ellen White transposes that and makes a clear-cut statement that it refers to the end of time. She understood exactly what Daniel was trying to say. The king of the north is therefore the Antichrist, now identified as the papacy or the pope, in his work or activity just before Jesus returns. Though not part of this study, that period of time or the appointed time is alluded to over and over again in prophecy. This is the focused period of time of Daniel 11. 29 through 45, Revelation 11, 12, and 13. Revelation 17 suggests that a powerful leader will then be in power, clearly a king. Our study verse continues here in Daniel 11. And at the time of the end shall the king of the south push against him. Now that's the king of the south, that's the second king, is being pushed against the king of the north. So there's a conflict. This new end time drama king pushes against the north. Push in Hebrew has military overtones. The papacy is seen in a military type conflict elsewhere. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints. These shall make war with the lamb. That's some of the terminology we find in the book of Revelation. Intriguingly, the history of the Crusades is one of a major war between Roman Catholic Christianity and Islam, though thousands of Jews were also slaughtered in those battles. A major religious conflict with an ideology opposite of Christianity is suggested by Islam and this king of the south. It is some north ideology and power versus a competing south system. The king of the south must be exceedingly powerful to attack such a global coalition. In the greater context of apostate Babylon, the whole Christian world appears to be vigorously attacked by this southern king. In Daniel 11, 21 through 28, the Crusades are described. There, the king of the south distinctly represents the Islamic world. The imagery clearly portrays the military action, Christianity versus Islam. Since global issues will be introduced in the next few verses, an Islamic conflict with the whole Christian world is predicted. The first crusade in the years noted was a military expedition by the Roman Catholic Europe from the north to regain the holy lands taken through Muslim conquest as they pushed from the south. The recapture of Jerusalem occurred in 1099. The crusades were launched on November 27, 1095 by Pope Urban II. Notice the historical geography between Christianity and Islam, a north-south issue. We have written a whole book on just the subject we're presenting this morning, and there's many, many different maps in that book. 
But if you look at the different maps of the northern powers, religious powers, and also of the southern religious powers, there is a distinct north-south relationship. And that describes part of it. I'm just going to be moving on. These serve as a template for our present study. There are many more illustrations that are not mentioned because of the limitation of this study this morning. The King of the North relates to the Roman Catholic Church and its Christian allies. The King of the South alludes to the Islamic world. And incidentally, 15 years ago, when this was begin, begun to be studied in Boise, Idaho, these same conclusions were drawn. And among the different seminars that are occurring, most are assuming the King of the North and the King of the South represents apostate Christianity against Islam and vice versa. Helpful and even more basic is the question, what end-time power hates Christianity enough to fight and even annihilate it? There is only one religious power that could mount such resistance. The Islamic world has 1.2 billion believers. The Catholic world has 1.2 billion believers. The world's two great religious religions share equal interest in world control, violence, deception, and moral failure. We'll talk about that latter this afternoon in our seminar on the King of the North. Recall that Islam is also called the religion of the sword. O ye who believe, take not the Jews and Christians for friends. They are friends one to another. He among you who hateth them for friends is one of them. Quran, fighting is prescribed for you against Jews and Christians. And ye dislike it, but it is possible ye dislike a thing which is good for you. And ye love a thing which is bad for you. But God knoweth, and he knoweth not. The angel of the Lord had told Hagar, and he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hands against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Genesis 16, 12. This prophecy predicts a final end-time conflict between two of Abraham's seeds. God's highest ideal, however, of the body of Christ, Paul said, if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to his promise. Let's analyze more closely the military phrases regarding this conflict. And the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind. A whirlwind is against is a reflexive tense. The king of the north or his representatives responds violently and successfully destroys the invaders with chariots and horsemen with many ships. The imagery, fighting on land and sea. We pause to focus more closely on these two warring groups. Both are under the direction of Satan at the end of time. Both have enormous followings. Both perceive they are retained. They retain the correct moral standards for mankind. And that will become one of the horrific ways Satan uses 
to confuse the Earth's inhabitants at the very end of time. Here are challenges that Christians must face. Islam and Catholicism have many common characteristics. Because of that, many have identified Islam as the Antichrist. And this is a challenge that I'm, I'm, I'm presenting forcefully here this morning among many Adventists. That is part of Satan's strategy. Until, it closed, until close to the end, many in the Christian world will be deceived and give unwarranted support to the Roman church. They will be blinded by its opulence and also by its power. Important concept to observe. There are similarities between Catholicism and Islam, but only one of these can ever match the biblical Antichrist. I'm not going to take time. The clock is spinning faster than I had ex expected. But the similarities between Catholicism and Islam are stunning. Very, very close in many, many ways. From members born into the family, the reverence to Mary, apparitions, prayer, death, soul, God, pilgrimages, celestial beings, all are very similar. Similarities also regarding the Jews, salvation, control of women, spilled Christian blood, blasphemy against God, and also their concepts of church and state. But there are differences. Promoting a false Sabbath, specific, and there might be a question on that because they promote Friday, but not like the Catholic world promotes Sunday. Specific beast heads, works with earth beast, church and state powers from 1929, which is a crucial prophecy. In Revelation 17, the world marvels after it, has an official kingdom, the Vatican City State, associated with Rome, which is Revelation 17, and wants to destroy Christianity. We have seen many clues in prophecy telling why the papacy is the Antichrist that will bring untold harm to God's true believers. But I would challenge you here this morning to know some of those reasons. I was recently asked, challenged, put in the corner for a while by one of our scholars. Can you prove that the Antichrist comes out of Rome? Well, we had a good discussion and we came to a good conclusion on why it has to be that. But I can tell you there's a lot of challenges that are coming forth. There's a subtle message in this conflict. At this time, this year, the ability to penetrate the Islamic world with the gospel is severely restricted because of life-threatening laws. If you're following anything in religious news at all, you know that Christians are having terrible times right now in many of the Islamic countries. A change in how we can enter those areas must come. And if there's any bottom line to what I'm presenting here this morning, this conflict between the North and the South appears to be the key issue in prophecy that will open up the doors so of Christianity 
can move into these countries. Will God use the power of an enemy to thwart the Islamic hatred towards Christianity? It wouldn't be the first time this appears to be what was it will be transpiring. And Alan White describes that in Last Day Events, page 242. Nebuchadnezzar was a wicked king that God used back in the time when the Jewish nation rebelled. He shall enter now to the next verse into the glorious land and many countries shall be overthrown. The word countries is supplied but clearly implied. The Antichrist and his forces will bring many nations to their knees in an effort to sub subdue Islam. That is part of the prophecy. These nations will no longer be able to maintain their political regimes. Glorious land refers to Palestine. Most conclude that it will be occupied by these apostate forces, just as during the Crusades. One of the things that's happening right now, the Vatican is very interested in taking over Jerusalem. 20% of the main land of Palestine is owned by the Vatican when all their different quotes, holy and sacred sites. They would like to control this. And it appears from Daniel 11 that that will become the case. There are many reports that have come into the public's attention that the Holy See, the Roman Catholic Church, and the Vatican city-state together has their eyes in controlling Jerusalem and all of the holy sites in Palestine. It is apparent from this prophecy this will happen and might be the final answer to the Mideast conflict. Intriguingly, the latest New World Order map fails to show Palestine. Very fascinating. The ten horns representing in Revelation 17 and 13, perhaps the New World Order, these maps have been drawn up. This is one of those maps. Palestine is not on those maps. And I could spend an hour discussing some of the reasons behind that. But they want to absorb Palestine into a different kind of administration in the New World Order. And then it goes on to say in Daniel 11, but he shall have power over the treasures of gold and silver and over all the precious things of Egypt. Let's look at what he shall have power over. He refers to the king of the north or the papacy. The Hebrew word for power over means dominion over or rules over. Egypt in prophecy represents the sinful world. He not only is the leader of the world, but its wealth and economies. Is that in the thinking of the papacy? Pope Francis told the Italian newspaper La Repubblica that the United States of America has a distorted vision of the world. And America must be ruled by a world government as soon as possible for their own good. I have the reference in tiny print there, but that was in January of this year. What does that distortion mean? Vatican City, May 3, 2019. Pope Francis critiqued capitalism impact, calling for, the re for a response that hears the cry of the earth and the cry of the poor. The precarious condition of our common home has been the result largely of a fallacious economic model that has been followed for so long. Interesting, isn't it? 
I have quotes after quotes. I have a file six inches thick on the things that Pope Francis, the second, Pope Francis has said against capitalism and their desire to control the wealth of the world. The wealth of the Roman Catholic Church is directly related to the world of capitalism, yet they always want others to be the ones giving. Insight into this period when the Roman Church will again have secular and ecclesiastical control over mankind was described long ago. Prophecy foretells a restoration of her power I saw one of the heads as it were wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed and all the world wondered after the beast. She will regain control of the world, Ellen White said. Great Controversy 565. Pope Benedict called for, the world, for a world political authority to manage the global economy. In May of this year, last month, Pope Francis called for a supernatural legally constituted body to enforce the United Nations sustainable goals. Then said, a special authority needs to be appointed to govern that agency, hinting the Holy See. Interesting, isn't it? He criticized national sovereignty, made it clear that a new world order was needed for the common good of mankind. All these things are beginning to fall into place just as it's discussed in Revelation 17, 13, and also Daniel 11. All these events and Roman directives are a direct fulfillment of what Christ, through John, said would occur at the end in Revelation 17. Are we nearing the time when this Catholic power emerges? The Vatican Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace in 2011, called for reforming the international financial and monetary systems in the context of global public authority. The Vatican Bank has direct ties to the World Bank. And that's another topic in itself, but it ties beautifully with some of these verses we see here in Daniel 11. Former Jesuit priest, Richard Bennett, Richard Bennett and I have joined together and, and written an article for his newspaper, which now goes around the world. He's now an evangelical. Catholic social doctrine, a tool of the papacy, has been and is being carefully honed and directed towards gaining both spiritual and temporal control over all nations. Richard Bennett is a Baptist, wonderful individual, has deep understanding of many, many of these prophecies. And then it says in verse 44, but tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. Therefore he shall go forth with great fury to destroy and utterly to make away many. This is a very important verse for Seventh-day Adventist. This verse is informative. Tidings means that there is some kind of things that it's, he's understanding. There's reports coming. News bulletins have reached Rome, the center of Christian apostasy, and they are troubling him. This addresses a unique, stunning message. The word trouble 
Baal denotes terrorized. Can you imagine something is terrorizing Rome? Something is terrorizing the Vatican. The success of God's witnesses is profound. That's what this is referring to in this verse. The success of God's witnesses is so profound, including publicity identifying Rome as the Antichrist, that this king of the north and his cohorts become terrorized. That coalition named Babylon in Revelation well, sure, should be terrorized. We are to warn the world that that Babylon has fallen. Get out of her. A message will soon be given by God's appointment that will swell into a loud cry. We are standing upon the borders of the greatest event in the world history, and Satan must not have power over the people of God, causing them to sleep on, the papacy will appear in its power. I wish you could see some of the reports that I see coming out every week about this and what's transpiring, even between the papacy and Congress right now. The time of trouble is near, and we are to awake to a revelation of these, these things. Paul prophesied about this time. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And here's the crucial issue. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Someone is going to have the message. Someone is going to clarify to the world. Someone is going to be able to teach the world convincingly who the Antichrist really is. It is then at a time of anti-Sabbath laws that Ellen White was talking about that the final work of the man of sin will be revealed. Protestants will throw their whole influence and strength on the side of the papacy, reviving her tyranny and oppression of conscience. God's people have been advised we should be filled with the spirit of the message of warning and mercy, which we are to bear to a dying world. We have only begun to drink of the fountain of life. As we follow on to know the Lord, increasing light will shine upon us. And that is an important concept in over 50 places in Ellen White's writings. She talks about new understanding, new light, especially as it relates to end time prophecy. As we follow on to know the Lord, increased light will shine upon us and our path will grow brighter and brighter until finally that perfect day when Jesus does come. A spirit of hatred and retaliation against God's people is provoked. This is how Daniel describes that reaction. Therefore, he shall go forth with great fury to destroy and utterly to, to make away many, to take away many. To destroy and utterly to take away, the papacy now makes determined moves, seething with hatred to kill God's people, destroy utterly, kill them, move them out of the picture. This spirit and literal persecution has helps us to link this narrative with other apocalyptic prophecies in the Bible. This is apparently the time that the death decree will be made. That's another study in itself. It's a very interesting study. Evil spirits will direct the way leaders perceive devastating events. 
They will lament the great wickedness in the world and second the testimony of religious teachers that degraded minds of morals is caused by the desecration of Sunday. Great will be the indignation excited against all who refuse to accept their testimony. That is exactly what Daniel 11 verse 44 says. Prior to the closing of the last conflict, many will be in prison, many will flee for their lives from cities and towns, many will be martyrs for Christ's sake and standing in defense of the truth. In his Olivet Discourse, Jesus noted that we must expect these things. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas and the glorious holy mountain, the last verse in Daniel 11. That suggests that he is going to be in that particular area in Palestine. Yet he shall come to his end, and none shall help him. That's the second prophecy in Daniel that talks about the Antichrist coming to his end. It appears that the papal power will set up in Jerusalem to strategically control this area. This will be the last move of the Roman power in prophecy. The king of the north, the papal head, assumes such a prominent place as head of the world's religions, he authoritatively assumes a place which only God himself has the prerogatives to hold. Catholic documents support this claim. The church is above the Bible. I'm going to move on here because of the time. And there's a few more slides, but let me draw it to a close. We will cry to the world for Christ's sake, come out of her, my people. Then Jesus pleads with us, why should we tarry? When Jesus is pleading, pleading for you and me, why should we linger and heed not his mercies, mercies for you and me? Come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home. We will be crying to the world during this period of time to come out of Babylon. We will have a deep understanding of what Babylon really represents. And that's something that I think is important for us to study very heavily. Come out of Babylon because Babylon is about ready to fall. And then the invitation to you and I here this morning is to come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, these are some of the deeper issues in prophecy, but in your holy word, issues that we are about ready to face and become part of. And Lord, it's wonderful in the prophecy. It does say that the work of the gospel going forward will be successful. This will create a lot of animosity and hatred and, and terror even from the opposition, from the apostate Christians. 
but we know the invitation there is still to remain, and we keep that as a hope ever before us, that we can come home, and that soon, as we move through this period of time, soon we will see the face of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'll give each one here a high level of curiosity to know truth, a high level of craving to understand these prophecies, their details. So as we move through this period of time, when this King of the North will push hard against your people, we will fully understand that we will be going home very soon. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.